completely fatigued. There's a lot to me, isn't there? Yes. <laughs> you know, that's a good intro because it kind of jumps right into what some of the students and I have been wanting to investigate. As scientists, we like to know, and we learn by the scientific method. That means we do experiments. Okay. Now, some of you noticed that Dr. Peget had her people bring in, her in with a UFO. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and we're thinking, what does that mean? <laughs> Unidentified flying object. That's right. It could be from anywhere. And so we came up with an experiment to determine where did she come from? Oh, we did. Yes. <laughs> you and your people. Yes. Me and my students are studying you and your people. <laughs> okay. And okay. I don't know where this alien thing got started. You don't? No, but I think we it. would like to know if there is any scientific evidence to support the hypothesis of alien origin. Wow. Okay, and so we have it here. Did you know that we have abilities? Like, I'm going to show you one of my abilities. This is raising the right arm. <laughs> Took some effort. Uh -huh. And I can do the same with the left, but I don't want to show off. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know that aliens, they don't have to raise their arm. They can make things happen with a process called kinesis, with their thinking, <laughs> their right. thoughts and that. That's right. And like I can lift things, but real aliens, true aliens can lift things without lifting. Hence our experiment. Is this appropriate? <laughs> I would now like to do just a quick repeat of the right arm lifting I did earlier, but this time with the object in place. <laughs> that is my gift as a human. I'm able to lift the object in place, but an alien wouldn't have to lift. They could do it with special powers. So that you can follow this better, I'm going to energize the blinking lights. Can you see the blinking lights? Wow, oh, you that's it. good. Oh, that's good. That. Now I'm going to leave this here. Are you ready? Yeah. Are you ready? Oh, oh, we seem to have a lot of wind here There's today. A lot of wind. Okay. Will you please put your hand underneath it? <laughs> I can't find it. That's enough for me. <laughs> Whoa. God damn it. Did you film that twice? Did we get that on film? Okay, thank it's you. That's pretty excited. Do you thank want that you. back? <laughs> this is going to be in the whole thing. <laughs> Welcome to our planet. Thank we are the fourth planet from the sun. Uh-huh. What would you do to it? Mm. Oh, I don't want anything to happen to that. <laughs> That's pretty fun. I'm nervous.
<laughs> okay. <clears throat> so we'll study what that means okay. a little later on. Thank you for cooperation with the experiment. Tonight, and I can say tonight because Tobias said it, so tonight is now approved. It is tonight. Yeah, okay. We, we don't like say tonight so much, even though it is tonight. It is. Because there are places in the world that it's not tonight where people are watching. And so for you people that are in the morning right now, good morning. <laughs> okay. But here it's tonight, okay. so just use your imagination. Okay. I have been working very hard for several years, more than a decade, on a technology that I want to tell you about tonight. Uh, your parents know about these. It's called Gold Key. And when the parents sign into the Acellus parent account, they are required to sign in with Gold Key. And we do that to protect your student information. We don't want anyone taking it ransom or, or altering it or deleting your work. That would be just rude, wouldn't it? So we secure it with Gold Key. Gold Key is a technology that uh, I think is going to be very important, not only to Acellus, but to our planet. And so one of the things that our team has been working here on is the Gold Key and how it works. Very soon, I'm planning to extend the use of Gold Key to all of our Acellus students. Right now, it's just the parents and the teachers. But uh, very soon, every student will have a gold key also. And this is a physical gold key. We do have the ability of putting the gold key inside your computer so you don't actually have to have a physical one. Those students that have ordered the ID cards from Cells Academy or Power Homeschool have a gold key inside that card. And... Uh, so you use it as an ID, but it's a lot more than an ID. It's actually a way to do some pretty magical things. And while we're still positioning and getting everything ready for our big launch, which we plan to do next year, I'd like to tell you a little bit about it, why I'm so excited, and how it works. Okay. Unless you'd like to tell them. <laughs> you go ahead and tell them. Turn the time over to... Dr. Gold Kimone. It works really well. Thank you very much. <laughs> Tell them. They want to know from the I want to show them this photograph. This is a photograph of a gold key, so you can see it really up close. The little thing at the bottom is a keychain. It's got a, a security eagle on there, and it says gold key security. And the top part is the gold key security token. You notice there's a little blue light. That light comes on when the gold key is activated, and it plugs into a USB slot on a computer. And we have new gold keys now that are the new modern USB-C. And uh, we also have gold keys that look something like, wait for it, <laughs> wait for it, like that. That looks like your ID cards. And there's a little a chip reader here, so you can put it into a mechanical reader. This also can be used with near-filled, which means if you put it near a near-filled reader, it can also read the gold key. Here's a near-filled reader. It happens to be an iPhone, and when you put it close to the iPhone, 
it can read the gold key in your card. So there's going to be available in lots of different forms. What are gold keys going to do in the future? Now, Dr. Monet has the ability to see the future. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but she's afraid that if she tells us that we will get on to her. We'll mess things up. <laughs> yeah, we kind of will. So I will tell you what I see in the future. I don't see in the future, so I'm just kind of estimating, Are you projecting. Projecting it? Projecting. It's an intelligent projection. But, you know, being able to see the future early through your study, your assumption, and your, and your mental experiments and your thinking is a lot of what helps an inventioner be successful. So it's an important thing to do. Well, I'm looking forward to the future. When I started on this project over a decade ago, I saw the day coming when the internet was going to be more and more and more important. We would use it to order things, to manage our finances, to do a sell us online learning. And I realized that the problem of people hacking into our computers and stealing our information is going to become bigger and bigger and bigger, and certainly it has. And so what I wanted to do was come up with a new technology to protect computers. Because right now, our militaries, our banks, our institutions, our schools, everybody's getting hacked into, and no one seems to be able to stop it. And to be able to stop it, because we have very clever hackers, we're going to need some revolutionary technology. And so Gold Key was my idea of revolutionary technology to be able to solve this problem. Now, we have a bunch of patents on Gold Key technology, some issued, some still pending. And I, I would like to say that Dr. John, that wonderful guy that Joseph enjoys giving a hard time to, uh, <laughs> Dr. John is the co-inventor of the Gold Key technology, and he, he and I share inventorship on these patents. But this gold key is, is kind of an interesting thing, and it has some real interesting properties. In the future, I believe you will use this kind of a gold key to be able to unlock your door. Your door at your home, your door at work, your door at any place you should be able to get into. We do have a gold key reader that mounts on a door in a building, on a home, wherever you'd want to put it. And the reader can sense a gold card either because it's close or you can insert a token. And then you have to put in your pin, which is a part of the technology, and then it will unlock the door. But our little gold key uh, door reader has some other interesting properties. For example, it has a built-in surveillance camera. So you actually see who's entering and exiting the door. And since it's gold key, you actually know really who that person is, and you're able to check the technology. It has also a smoke detector. So if wherever that reader is, there is a fire, it will detect it and can send the alarm. And very often with a fire, the earlier the alarm, the better. And there's a lot of technology. So this can be done with that with that reader just by putting it close, entering the pin, and you're in. Neat, huh? Mm -hmm. I also see this as being the way that you make credit card purchases. Now, a lot of people are using uh, different cards today to do some purchases. 
but there is nothing that I am aware of that is anywhere near as secure as this is. So you do, if you go to the store and buy some things, swipe your card, just put it close to the reader or insert it in the reader, and you'll be able to make your transactions and access your account. There's a lot I could say about that tonight, but I think I'll skip over it to get into the more basic science. What I'd like to do today is I'd like to take an attempt at really explaining to you why I think this is so significant and kind of show you how it works. Okay. Okay? Mm -hmm. So what is the problem of security? And if you think about it, we have a situation where we have a person over here, and then we have the internet, which is huge, and everybody's on it snooping, watching, not secure by any stretch of the imagination, and over here is another person. This other person might be a bank, it might be a friend, and what you want to do is you want to be able to send communications, you want to send information back and forth that is nobody's business except for this one person that you're sending it to. So about 50 years ago, some brilliant guys at Stanford University came up with an idea of managing encryption keys. Does everybody understand what an encryption key is? If I take a number like, let's say, 1001, and I want to send it over the internet to someone else, if I send it over the internet just as 1001, all the people in the middle can look at it and know what I'm sending. So what I want to do before I send it is I want to scramble it, or like scientists call it, I want to encrypt it. So I take the 1001 and I change it into 1 star 93. You say, well, that's kind of different. Yeah, that's the whole idea. Make it unreadable. I send it over the internet. When the guy gets it on the other side, he gets that strange scrambled code, but then he uses an encryption key to decrypt it, and then he gets the 1001. So I can take a photograph, I can encrypt it, send it. When he gets to the other side, he can decrypt it. We encrypt things on the internet primarily through the use of a technology called public key, private key. And this was the idea that came from Stanford. And their idea was, you know, there are some mathematical algorithms that are problems that are very, very hard to solve. Uh, for a human with a pencil and a calculator, they're nearly impossible. For a computer, they are so difficult, they'll take a long time. So their idea was everybody will have a public key. And their public key they will send. If, if we're going to have a communication, I send you my public key, you get it. And then everything you send back to me, you encrypt using my public key. The interesting thing is these public key, private key algorithms would be such that you could encrypt it easily with a public key but you couldn't decrypt it with a public key. It was a mathematical algorithm that would encrypt it, but you'd need a different key to decrypt it. And it would be very hard to guess or to make up that key. And so it's called an asymmetric encryption method. And these Stanford guys came up with this idea, so this would be great. So you send me your public key, I'll send you mine, we'll encrypt messages to each other, and we are the only ones that know the private key so only we will be able to read the data. 
Now this is where we get into some politics. Because these wonderful inventors at Stanford came up with this great idea, but they could not find a mathematical formula that would work and do what they were proposing. And so their idea kind of got stuck until it got to MIT. And MIT says, you know what, those guys have a great idea. They need some of us MIT guys to come up with the math, and they did. And so with the Stanford idea and the MIT math, we had PKI, and we've been using it for 50 years to secure the internet. There's only one problem. We've never been able to prove that PKI is really secure. And in fact, we get lots and lots of breaches. One of the problems with public key, private key is that I can establish a secure connection between me and someone else, but I really have no way of knowing who that someone else is. For example, I say, I want to talk to my bank, and I want to have them send some money to pay my bills. So I send a message out to the bank and say, hi, I want to log in and, and do some transactions. On the way to the bank, my packet that I'm sending has to go through a lot of routers, a lot of different places. And at every one of those, there's an opportunity for someone to snatch my message and look at, oh, he's going to talk to his bank. And, oh, he's with Pacific Bank. So they go to Pacific Bank and they get their nice logo, excuse me, off their website. And then they send it back to him and say, hi, we're Pacific Bank. And look, here's our logo. And he says, oh, good. I want to send some money. And he said, what is your password? <laughs> and so he types in his password, but it's not his bank he's talking to. He's talking to somebody that wants to steal his money. Programmers, experts call this a man in the middle. Truth be known, it could be a woman too. <laughs> it's the person in the middle that has intercepted their traffic and they pretend they're the bank. And a lot of the loss of data is done by this method and by other methods. One thing that public key, private key did not anticipate was the need to be able to verify that the person you're talking to is in fact the person you think it is. When they realized that their system had this huge flaw, they huddled together again and came up with security certificates. And certificates are an idea of how to be able to prove that the person on the other side is who you think it is. However, from the very beginning, many experts pointed out certificates are not a reliable, secure method. And they have proven time and time and time again that there are ways to get around that security method. The information on our latest military jets have been compromised because certificates don't work and you don't really know who you're talking to. So in this environment, I saw a real need of being able to establish a secure communication over the internet between two people. And it had to really be secure. Public key, private key uses uh, asymmetrical encryption, which is pretty good. In fact, they even call it pretty good encryption. But it's not excellent. 
And as computers become more and more powerful, it gets easier and easier and easier to break pretty good encryption. And that's why one of the main reasons why we're seeing so many more break-ins. So we needed something that was extremely good. And the technology existed to encrypt things extremely well, except you had to have a secret, an encryption key. The person over here knows, and the person on the other side knows the same encryption key. And that's been the problem. How do you get the encryption key there? Now, some of the military operations and the big banks use the sneaker method. You know, like gym mm -hmm. shoes? Yep. And so what they do is they make up an encryption key and they put it on a sealed package inside a locked briefcase, yeah. chained to the guy's wrist, and then he puts on his sneakers, and he gets on an airplane, he flies over, and he gives it to the other person. Mm -hmm. And that's called the sneaker method, and a lot of things are done like that. It shows how hard it is to be able to both know the same encryption key so you can establish a secure communication. Well, I thought I knew a better way to do that. And that is the whole heart behind Gold Key. I call it B-squared cryptography. And it is based on a concept of B-squared entanglement. Now, I'm not talking about honeybees. <laughs> B-squared, B with a little two up there, you know, like in algebra. And uh, since, you know, we're, we're all part of the Acellus family here, I'll tell you about B-squared. Uh, B-squared actually stands for Dr. John and me, B&B. Yeah. B. John is my son, and he is the little Billings, even though he's <laughs> taller than me. He's, how about the younger Billings? And I'm the uh, older Billings, and together we're the B-squared. Okay? So, B-squared entanglement. Entanglement is a way of connecting two gold keys together so that they become entangled and they can solve this problem of the key distribution. And I'd like to kind of show you how challenging that problem is, okay. if you're ready for that. I am. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. Okay, let me get dressed. <laughs> okay. Don't, know you're Don't look. Of course I'll look. <laughs> okay. I would like to uh, do the... Uh, the, the red scarf thing, if, if that would be okay with you. This is a red scarf. Can you see it? I can. Now can you see it? Is this close enough for you? Can you see it Barely. now? Okay. Yeah. So what I'm going to do is take this red scarf and I'm going to put it inside this little thing like that. Okay. Could you please put that lid on here for me? That'd be asking too much. Good. Now, could you just hold that for me? Mm -hmm. Okay, pretend. Yeah, just hold it like yeah. Excellent, excellent. <laughs> pretend that that red scarf is your secret data. Okay. Okay? I'm trying to, students and I are trying to imagine what kind of data you would have you want to keep secret. Oh, I have a lot. <laughs> Maybe a lot. it could be mm -hmm. data about where you're from. Absolutely. Yeah, could yeah. be. And so, 
Can't you just hold that? I can. How yeah. do you want me to hold it? That's tightly? Good. No. Loosely? Loosely. No, tightly. I don't care. <laughs> it's your day. That, I guess it depends on how important then. it is to you. Okay. okay. So over here, in this, can you see this too? Uh -huh. That is the person that you want to share your data with. And the challenge is how do you get your data from there to there without me catching it in the middle? Hmm. Hmm. Are you the man in the middle? Yeah, I'm the man in the middle. Okay. Oh, that's... <laughs> Look, I did it. <laughs> I like that. You did do it. <laughs> that one's That good. is B-squared cryptography, right? Just like that. Wow. Yeah. I wasn't expecting it quite like that. How were you expecting it? I don't know. Under the table? <laughs> Underhanded? What? Yeah. Okay. That's good. I like that. So, how do we get a session hooked up? You have two people. Can you hold this like you're one of the people? I am one of the people. That's not what the research says. <laughs> I know. But, you know, we'll go with this that. This is my people we'll, body. <laughs> we'll, we'll go with that. Okay. Okay. So I have a gold key, you have a gold key. Uh -huh. And the idea of gold key, the first idea is everybody gets a gold key. And these gold keys are very unique because there is some magic inside. Now, the magic inside is actually manufactured right here in Missouri in our little gold key factory. And we put neat stuff in there. Okay. <laughs> neat, neat stuff? Yeah, neat stuff. Okay. Magical stuff. And, and we need that magical stuff. So now, I'm over here. You're over there. You have information that you'd like to share with me, but you don't want anybody else on the Internet to be able to see it. Maybe it's a secure transaction, maybe it's an important document, anything that you think would be private. Maybe it even would be a phone call or mm -hmm. an email or whatever you'd like to send. How can we get an encryption key so that we both know it? If you send it to me, someone will see it coming over the internet. We could do public key, private key like we've been doing for 50 years, but people can easily quite easily, in fact, hack that, and then they would be able to intercept our transmission, and we wouldn't know that it was secure. So what we need is an encryption key to create a session. And we want to have a different encryption key each time that we communicate. And here's where the magic begins. Whenever two people have a gold key, the gold key gives them the ability to set up a special, very, very high security AES military grade encryption key for use in a session. And in actuality, it actually sets up two, one for you to send to me, one for me to send to you. And to do that very securely and even over the internet. And the way that it works is that the gold keys are entangled. And so when I am ready to set up the session, if I contact you and say, I want a session, my gold key starts to set up a special encryption key just for the session. It's only used one time. And it does it automatically. And it does it a IBM, as if by magic. <laughs> and and I love it, it really, really does. Now, you say, well, wait a minute. So you guys can set up the secure connection because you both have gold keys. It could be that we've never communicated before. I don't, 
I don't have any history of having any keys or anything with you, but you have a gold key and I have a gold key, and we just decide we want to communicate. You say, well, could someone with another gold key break into that session? Mm -hmm. And no, because the gold keys set up the session aware of cyber DNA. Cyber DNA is something that is set up unique to each person when they obtain their goal key, when they set up their goal key. And for you parents that have already done this, you say, well, I don't remember any cyber DNA. And I said, well, actually, actually, you, you do have that. Okay. Now, there is a, a thing called a cyber ID. Mm -hmm. Is it C-Y-B-R? Cyber ID. Mm -hmm. This is not spelling bee. <laughs> uh, it, it's interesting that cyber means to do with computers and networking, mm -hmm. and cyber is spelled C-Y-B-E-R. Uh -huh. But in Gold Key Corporation, we decided that we wanted to have a whole family of cyber products that were unique to us. So, like Mark Twain said, he feels sorry for anybody that only knows one way to spell a word. That's right. We made a new way. Instead of C-Y-B-E-R, we changed it to C-Y-B-R. So the name of Gold Key Company is Cyber Security Corporation, uh -huh. C-Y-B-R. And Cyber ID is spelled C-Y-B-R, mm -hmm. as you said, ID. Every person that has a Gold Key receives a cyber ID. And your cyber ID is something that we haven't uh, made a big deal of giving to people yet. We, we have them, but we haven't really shown a lot of the individuals there because we haven't been ready for our launch. But as the launch comes out, you're gonna see the cyber ID as an eight digit number. And if you want someone to text you, you can you can give them your phone number, mm -hmm. but if you want a real secure text, just give them your cyber ID. Sweet. If you want a real secure email, give them your cyber ID, Goki Mail. And you start being able to do all sorts of sharing and transactions over the internet and otherwise with a cyber ID. Am I making any sense? Mm-hmm, you are. Okay, so let's go ahead and set up a set. No, we can't do it. We're, I. I can't. Aliens are so far ahead of us. Are you an alien? <laughs> well, according to some students tonight, I'm an alien, but I'm not an evil alien. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that is such a relief <laughs> to know that. <laughs> That's really such a relief. Thank you, dear sir. <laughs> well, when we start releasing the gold keys to our students, you'll be able to do a lot of things. And one of the things that you'll be able to do is to uh, securely communicate with your teachers with a gold key encrypted session. And it'll be extremely private. A uh, lot of the, the parent-student uh, conferences that have gone on in the last year or so have been hacked into, and a lot of data has been taken, and a lot of inappropriate things have been displayed. And, and so having the ability to do secure communications is gonna change a lot of things. And this is kind of my day job. Uh, it's, it's interesting though because the Gold Key Corporation is a, a company that's been around for a few decades now. The 
company has. And uh, we manufacture networking products, we manufacture servers. All of the uh, Sela servers were built by uh, this company and uh, it, it hopefully will be the beginning of something pretty exciting for security in our nation. There is a tremendous need today for people that are trained and educated in cybersecurity. Uh, we, we just don't have the team that we need to be able to take care of protecting data for companies, for homes, for businesses, for schools, for everything. And here at IST, our university, uh, we have a major program in cybersecurity. And I would like to uh, send out a personal invitation today for anyone that is interested in this field to consider it. Uh, there are going to be so, there are already so many jobs for people that are cybersecurity experts. And one of the programs that we've developed is a cyber tech. A cyber tech is someone that has graduated from high school and then gone to college for two years studying cybersecurity and becoming certified in uh, cybersecurity. There are other certifications we do too, industry certifications. But with a two year cyber tech degree, you have the opportunity to get a job just almost anywhere in the nation. And I think it's really, really a red hot degree and something we really want to push. Mm -hmm. At this point, we, we don't have a way for you to be able to do a cyber tech degree online. So it's one of those degree programs that you have to actually come on campus and, and get some training. But it is something that I think a lot of you ought to seriously consider. It's a good career. For those people that really uh, enjoy education and are willing to put in the hard work that it takes to learn the advanced technologies, you can also get your bachelor's degree in cybersecurity at IST and your master's and your doctorate. And if you have a doctorate in cybersecurity right now, then you are the people that actually create things like gold keys and these new technologies. And it is a red hot field to be involved in. Uh, the man is just unbelievable. And that brings us all back to where we started, and that is the importance of study. Uh, we have a lot of students right now in algebra, algebra one, and, and algebra two for that matter. But uh, when I first started taking algebra, um, it, it was disorienting and confusing to me. They said, okay, we're going to teach you about equations. And I thought, hey, I've already learned math. Uh, three plus four is six. <laughs> and and, and I, I, I didn't have it memorized, but I could count it out. I mean, seven. I was going to say, seven, tell them seven. What it is? Three plus four is seven. But in algebra, they introduced this new concept of equals, of equalities, of equations. And I couldn't figure out what in the world are these people doing. And I'm actually thinking that as part of our upcoming uh, 
Science Live programs, I'd like to do a couple discussions on algebra. Algebra is an amazing tool. And that's really, really what you have to describe it. You go searching for a number, a number that you need for something you're going to build, something you're going to do. You don't know what the number is, but to help you keep track of it, you give it a name. The missing number is x. X. <laughs> x. x is a very common variable in algebra. What's a variable? It's, it's a number you don't know, but you want to find out. For example, I could say, this number plus 5 equals 7. I don't know what the number is, so I can say x plus 5 equals 7. And then algebra learns how to solve that, and you figure, ah, it's 2. x equals 2. And that's kind of simplistic. You can solve that in your head, but many problems you can't. So by learning how to do these equations and even combine equations, you can solve really, really, really complex problems. When I decided that I wanted to be a pilot, I wanted to fly airplanes, and I did decide that. Actually, when I was eight years old, I was taken on an airplane ride with a group of Cub Scouts. And I'd never been on an airplane before. We were in a little airplane, and we took off, and I saw the ground fall away from us. It looked like it was falling away, but we were actually climbing. And we went up, and as we flew over town, I saw those little toy houses. <laughs> and I thought, this is the neatest thing in the world. And from that day, for the rest of my life, I wanted to be a pilot. And so when I got a little older and I had a chance to learn how to fly, I jumped on it and I started taking flying lessons. And I did it the really, really, really rich style. Yeah? Yeah, I would run down to the airport and I'd take a flying lesson. They said, you want to do another? I said, no, I'm broke. <laughs> I'd have to go back and work some more to earn enough money for the next lesson. So I earned each lesson at a time. But before very many lessons, it's time to solo. That's when you've had enough flying experience that your instructor thinks you're ready to fly the airplane by yourself. You cannot imagine how exciting that is unless you've done it. <laughs> and in my case, I was, uh, I was ready to solo, but I didn't realize it. I was doing my best, and one day we, we did a few landings and takeoffs, and then after we landed, my instructor turned to me and said, okay, put on the brakes here for just a second. And he opened the door and climbed out on the runway, small airport, and he says, okay, now let's see you do a couple landings by yourself. I didn't see that coming. I said, do you think I'm ready? Oh, yeah, yeah. And so he got out, I fired up the engine, and we took off down the runway, we meaning me and nobody. <laughs> and the plane lifted off. Taking off an airplane is really easy. You can almost take off an airplane just by turning on the power and watching it go. But I, I was holding it white knuckle tight. And the plane took off. And I thought, wow, unless I can land this airplane, this flight will last the rest of my life. <laughs> that's a, quite a feeling. That's quite a wake-up feeling. 
So as you take off, you climb out, when you get to a certain altitude, we had a standard airport, so you turn left. And then when you're up to a certain altitude, you turn left again. So you're, you're flying parallel with the runway. And that's called, you're on base. So I was on base, when you're at the right altitude for airport traffic, you pull back your power and you try to set everything up. And then you go through your pre-flight. In an airplane, there's a lot of things you want to make sure that you don't forget to do before you land. Now, on the little airplane I was in, the landing gear, the wheels, always stay down because they, they don't have the ability to come up. In the airplane that I owned later on, whenever you took off, whatever, and the wheels would fold up inside because the plane would go 10 miles per hour faster if there weren't any wheels causing drag. But on this plane, I didn't have to retract the landing gear. But there were some things you had to do, like you had to pull the carb heat to prevent icing when you're uh, descending. If your carburetor ices up, your engine stops, and that could be kind of a problem when you're flying. So you have this checklist. Fuel, proper tank, mixture, full rich. And then you do all these things to get ready to land. And I'm doing all of this. And finally, I get down to where you turn base. And, uh, or you were downwind before. Now you turn base, and then you turn towards the runway. And that's called final. You're on final. And everything's set up right. You've been through your checklist. All you got to do now is hit that runway. And I was going down. Now the pedals in an airplane have, uh, that's where the brakes are, but it's also what controls the rudder behind, and it kind of makes the plane mush and even helps you turn. And I noticed there was something wrong with my airplane because it just started to vibrate. And then I realized it was my knee. <laughs> Cut it out. Be brave. <laughs> it's embarrassing. I'll never tell anyone about this. Thank goodness no one's watching. But coming in on that last final leg, and then touching down and realizing that I was safe on the ground and that I had did it. I'd done it myself. Well, the thing I want to tell you about that flying experience was just a few months later, I had to pass my written examination to prove that I was qualified with the knowledge you need to get your license. And the guys that were there taking the exam with me had these little calculators that you used to calculate wind and depend on which way the wind's blowing and how fast your plane is and the speed of the wind. You have to make sure you have enough gas to get to your destination. I'm in Kansas City. If I want to fly to St. Louis, and let's say I have enough fuel to fly four hours, that should be more than enough to get to St. Louis, but you always calculate it to make sure as part of your flight planning. If there was a wind blowing straight west from St. Louis, and I had an airplane that would go 150 miles an hour, if the wind was blowing 50 miles an hour, then my speed across the ground would only be 100 because I'd be fighting the wind. Can you see that? And unlike tires on cars, airplanes are just in the wind. But what if the wind was 175 miles an hour and I was flying 150. I would be pointed towards St. Louis going towards Denver. 
I would be flying backwards. And so I could take too long. And you have to calculate the wind. And if it was coming from the side, you have to adjust for that angle. And I did not have to go through and get one of those crazy calculators and spend hundreds of hours trying to figure out how to run it because I sat down there and did that exam using algebra. <laughs> Plain old algebra. I just want you to know that the stuff you're learning in your schooling is going to carry you throughout your lives and being able to do amazing things. I doubt I would have ever become a pilot if it wasn't for algebra. I'm grateful for those guys that figured out that trick. Algebra is a trick to be able to solve problems you could never solve just on your own. And anybody that has a chance to learn it ought to know it. I use algebra when I sew. You sew? So what? <laughs> you don't sew. I don't sew very often. I sew experiments. But it is interesting how it comes into play in so many places in your life. And I, I want to put in a big, giant, giant plug. In Gold Key, in developing Gold Key, I have used information from every one of my majors at the university. Remember, I had five of them. But every single one, including chemistry, which is fascinating. The knowledge that you master empowers you to do your life missions, whatever you choose them to be. Study hard. Thank you.